Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, well, I guess I'll get us uh, started. So, yeah, we are here uh, after uh, the big news today. Herschel Waldrop transferring or enter the transfer portal. Uh, We do not know uh, exactly where he is going to end up. But uh, I guess we'll get into maybe those rumors later. But, yeah, I guess the important part uh, as it relates to USM is he is uh, looking like he's no longer going to be a part of the USM program. So, I guess just getting to that, Ben. Yeah, that's right. And uh, just real quick, we are planning on putting this up in podcast form if we can. Yes. Uh, we're gonna, we've got it recording, and we're going to – I don't know. Yep, there's an extra step. But we're planning on putting it out in podcast form. Um, yeah, you know, there were there have been a slew of, of rumors and rumblings, whatever you want to call them. Really, I mean, I feel like they started the week after the season ended uh, once Omaha got started. And, you know, we heard that it was going to be a bunch of guys and then it was going to be one or two guys and it was going to be a bunch of guys again. And really the whole time, at least from what I had been hearing, um, you know, Hurston Waldrop would come up in pretty much every one of those rumors. And again, we don't know. I mean, we, we don't have the inside track on all this stuff. We, you know, only Hurston and the people around him really know that, but it, it kind of feels like, you know, maybe this was sort of the direction he was moving or thinking about moving. And we've talked about on the podcast. I mean, especially those guys going to, you know, the team USA camp uh, and the season that they had, the season that Southern Miss had, they were going to get run at pretty hard. They were, there was going to be pressure for them. They were going to have stuff in their ears all summer long. Um, and, and they were going to have opportunities to go other places. Um, you know, the early indication seems to be maybe it's some sort of NIL thing. And, and that's, that's kind of conjecture as well, but, I mean, you got to kind of assume that it is. I mean, a lot of these big transfers we've seen, particularly with LSU, uh, uh, you know, and especially those Christian Little and um, uh, the shortstop's name is, is blanking on it. Carter, Carter Young. Young. I was going to say Taylor Young, but he's he plays for Louisiana Tech. Um, yeah, it, it, it really – it would be pretty shocking if – if there was not some sort of NIL package, um, because that's just sort of what college athletics has become. And we'll get into, into, into that a little bit more, but I think we're starting to see that more tangibly, the most tangibly we have seen it in college baseball. And, um, with the exposure that Hurston Waldrop got, I mean, you know, some scouts and, and there were, you know, some talks of him being a first round talent and, you know that he knew that and was hearing that and and you know these power five programs particularly sec programs that he played against or played around and you know coaches know the coaches that he pitched against and saw him dominate lsu it it, it does not come as a surprise to me because it's it's how it, it has worked for the last three or four years in, in college football and in college basketball. And, and now we're starting to see it in college baseball. So yeah, I, just initial thoughts, you know, as soon as I heard it or really had been hearing about it for the last month or so, actually maybe it hadn't been quite a month, but it, it, it just was never really a surprise to me. Yeah, I guess the only surprise was the kind of the timing part of it because you felt like, well, the, the deadline to enter um, isn't until – or it is tomorrow or tomorrow night. I mean, midnight tomorrow. And um, you just kind of felt like if he had would have entered the portal, uh, it would have been a lot earlier. It would have given the staff – that would have helped the staff just because, you know, it allowed them to, you know, manage the roster uh, knowing what they need to do. To do. And, um, yeah, that, that was just the only surprise. I felt like, you know, after those, I guess they have the exit interviews, um, usually a day or maybe two days after the, um, you know, final game of the year. And I felt like that's kind of – because you had saw those. I mean, you saw Gillentine had entered the portal then and, uh, and Fisher. And the McGillis not too far after that. So you would have felt like it would have been kind of that first week after the Super Regional loss – um, so that the timing is the really surprising part of it. As yeah, 
as it relates to NIL, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, there, there's rumors, you know, that, you know, people are saying, well, he's getting more scholarship money and then plus another, you know, 30,000. I mean, there's there are all the kind of rumors floating around that just, you know, it's hearsay. But I feel like, I feel like it's, I mean, maybe that's a factor, but I feel like he's probably thinking, well, if I go to, you know, Florida or, I mean, that's the rumored school, right? Yeah. Um, which Kendall Rogers had tweeted out immediately, like, oh, something about LSU, but then he deleted it. Now he's saying something like, I'm actually here at another school now. So, oh, you know, Florida, some Florida, Florida State, those are kind of the two that are rumored. But I mean, I guess he's probably thinking, well, if I, if I come back to USM and I dominate, uh, you know, I could be the 25th pick. But if I go to Florida and, you know, and, you know going up against Sunbelt teams, which we talked about the Sunbelt's a good conference, but it's not on the level of the SEC. Sure. In terms of the lineups you're going to face, um, and then let's yeah. say, and then he's saying, okay, well, if I go to Florida and I'm a you know number ten pick, well, then that's a that's a two. I'm looking at the signing bonuses from last year. So if he was pick twenty five, that's about a two point six five million dollar bonus. And then if he was like, let's say he's picked ten, let's say he was got bumped up fifteen spots, you know, just based on pitching and these really good lineups in the SEC, that would be four point seven. So that's a two million dollar difference. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure he's thinking, well, if I, you know, if I pitch in against SEC competition and that really helps my draft stock, you know, that could be another million or two million dollars. So I think that's also a factor. Uh, although, you know, like you said, the NIL, I mean, we don't know. It's just rumors at this point, but that as well sure. certainly could be a factor. So, yeah, I would assume it is, and and I think a lot of people were frustrated or maybe confused because. I mean, Southern Miss went deeper than Florida did, and and you know, feel like that is a realistic possibility next year. And obviously Florida will be competitive, especially with Hurston Waldrop, if that is the case, if he does go there. But I mean, yes, would obviously make a difference. That is a factor. But, you know, say Southern Miss goes on a deep run again, wins a regional, you know, whether you lose a super regional play in Omaha either way, I mean, you're going to get, really good exposure and you're already a projected first round pick and felt like you could have really bumped your stock up if you would have had a really good year. And the question with Ursa Waldrop, as we've talked about all year long is the control, if he can learn how to control the zone and, and kind of increase his pitchability trait and that characteristic, then, you know, he could really improve his draft stock. And so it, it felt like that was there already. Um, which is, I think, again, part of why people were a little frustrated because you, you had this great year and and you have the majority of your production coming back, a chance to be even better roster-wise, at least, um, in 2023. And so it felt like, you know, you kind of – it was just a little bit of an awkward time to jump ship having you know, what you assume is one year left uh, because you'll yeah. be draft eligible next year. So I think that's, that's part of the reason people are – uh, maybe questioning the timing of it a little bit. And, and that is the, the fact that he, he goes a day before the deadline leads me to, to think there is some sort of NIL package because those things kind of take time to, you know, be put together. And, uh, you know, there are conversations behind the scenes before it even gets to somebody like Hurston Waldrop. And, you know, maybe that final number was put in front of him once he got to, camp for team USA again we don't know um but that the fact that it was this late makes me think it was some sort of at least a factor of of NIL um some kind of deal in that in that regard uh do want to say real quick we are taking questions if um if you have or a, a grievance <laughs> you want to air um, <laughs> we're open to it I'll uh I'll edit where necessary. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll open that up. So you just have to hit the, uh, I guess, request to speak button and um, we'll let you talk. Um, uh, or go ahead. But yeah. you, you, you go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just because, I mean, like you said, it is risky because I feel like here, if yeah. he came back and just had another season like he had this year, even if he didn't approve, let's just say he had the exact same stat line that he had this season next year at USN. I mean, I think at worst he's a top 50 pick or top 50 like overall pick, which would have been like early second round with a very good chance of being a first round. Man, I think, 
I mean, really, I think – I would not say he is a complete pitcher like you're saying. The pitchability, I mean, fastball control, fastball command is kind of the one thing you can kind of poke in his game. But, I mean, he's certainly got the velocity. he got a three-pitch mix. Uh, you know, he's got the, you know, the slider and the split change. And I think really the only thing left is kind of commanding that fastball, um, you know, which, yeah, yeah, obviously has a ton of velocity. So, yeah, I mean, just – but, yeah, I mean, let's say he goes to Florida – and, you know, he struggles for whatever reason, falls out of the rotation, then, well, you know, I mean, he would still be drafted just based on the, you know, potential. But, I mean, it might be, you know, fourth or fifth round versus USM. I mean, it's hard to see him falling out of day one. Um, So, yeah, it is risky. I mean, it's, you know, kind of high risk, high reward, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, he could potentially earn himself another one or two million dollars based on, um, you know, pitching – against you know top 25 teams pretty much every week in the SEC or he could really risk a lot by struggling mm-hmm. with a new pitching coach and you know falling out of the rotation and uh, you know losing a lot in that signing bonus um, yeah. Yes, um, yeah so what were you going to say about Michael uh, for question speed but I didn't know if you have any well, I, I was just going to say real quick yeah Michael we'll let you get in here I, I, I mean that that might have been part of the conversation in Waldrop's camp whoever he was talking to of you know the the risk reward if if there is nil money on the table, um, and and that's that's sort of the draw I think just in general maybe especially in baseball for pitchers who you know you there you see all the time guys have season ending ending surgeries and you know come back and they're never the same or it really hurts the draft stock whatever it may be if if the nil money was enough um, to where that it, it sort of washed that out then. You know, he may have felt like it was that lowered the risk a little bit, I guess. And another factor, too, is um, I didn't get time to look this up. Is uh, Hunter Barco, will he be back or will he be drafted for Florida? This is, again, hypothetical if he if it is Florida. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think he yeah, I think he'll probably be drafted just based on potential. But, yeah, I mean, if he – I don't even know if, if he's going to have Tommy John Barco because mm-hmm. he went down. I mean, he probably wouldn't even be ready for next year, I want to think, because he had that injury in yeah. April. So, that would be a 12-month timeline at least. Yeah. Well, he was – I mean, he was projected to go way, way high. Yes. Uh, before the injury. And so, you you see a lot that those guys will still – they'll still get pretty good money, pretty – go pretty high. Um, so, it, it, it may have been a factor. It may have been part of the, the um, pitch for – you know, whoever is, is courting Waldrop in the transfer portal, like you're, you're not the number one guy. You won't be the number one guy next year. Uh, you're kind of behind Tanner Hall. And, and again, that shouldn't really matter because I mean, Waldrop is, is your best stuff guy and he was going to get as many meaningful innings as, you know, as you could hope for. But that might've been part of the conversation is, you know, you're not the ace come be the ace for an sec club and get more exposure in more ways than one that you know there are just a lot of different things that uh, that could have been going on that were a result of this um all right pat do you have anything else i'm gonna yeah let yeah let's in. let michael jump in okay how you doing hey guys can you hear me hi hey michael yes 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 sir uh not so good, guys. Uh, being as dramatic and, and mopey and uh, doom and gloom as anybody else is, uh, you know, I feel like it's a it's what you're supposed to do in this kind of scenario. So uh, I'm yeah. just I'm just really yeah. milking it for all it's worth. Uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, I heard you uh, talking about. You know how I, I, you know, I've kind of heard the theory and seen some people talking today about, you know, the possibility of him jumping to a SEC or a, a, you know, kind of blue blood name. Uh, it's uh, got the money and and possibly improving draft stock by either uh, competing against lineups in the ACC or SEC. I'm not sure that I'm buying that as a primary factor. Reason being, you know, one, he's already considered first round type talent. Uh, Southern Miss is a program that has significant national exposure. Uh, any game that I've been to, there, there's always scouts and such at the games, uh, just the same. And, you know, every year we see up high in the top 10 of the draft, you know, high school kids 
JUCO guys. I mean, if the if if the the talent's there, I mean, I, I think that you end up up there. So I don't know. For me, I think that my opinion is that this kind of is is more about the NIL situation uh, more than anything else. Uh, curious about your thoughts on that. I know that you you were talking about. You know, I, I understand the idea of the SEC going up against SEC lineups certainly helped him to dominate against LSU the way he did. But uh, would just like to hear your thoughts. I, I think it may be more NIL focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it very well could be. But that's the thing. We, we really don't know much about what's going on. I mean, other than that, he's transferring. And uh, that's really it. Yeah, so it very well could be. Um, you know, he's either getting maybe some kind of NIL or increased scholarship money or, or something like that. I mean, I feel like NIL would dwarf any kind of uh, scholarship. I don't, I don't know what the cost of attendance in Florida is. Um, I mean, it's probably more than USM, especially because he's out of state. Um, but yeah, yeah. But to your point about uh, guys from like non, I guess blue blood programs. I mean, yeah. I mean, last year I was just remembering. Uh, Sam Bachman, who is uh, he was a right-hander from uh, Miami, Ohio. I mean, he went top ten. So yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, it does happen. Um, but I guess he, yeah, he's just kind of banking on if if you were um, sympathetic to that view, or you're saying, or if if someone's saying, well, he's trying to improve his draft stock by going up against you know these big top ten, top fifteen teams in the ACC or SEC. I mean, it just kind of helps you with the scouts. But no, I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, Guys from smaller conferences, like I was just saying, that uh, guy from Miami, Ohio, last year out of the mat. I mean, he went top 10. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you have talent, you'll go high. But, um, yeah, it does help you just to go up against uh, better competition traditionally. So, but, Yeah, I, I think that's the key there. Traditionally, uh, that is the case. You're going to see more power five, particularly pitching, because I think that's yeah. a little more measurable, um, at least in terms of what, what you're looking at scouting-wise – um, I, I'm, I have no doubt that that was part of the pitch for whatever pressure from whatever direction it came from for Waldrop was, you know, throw against, you know, if it was an SEC team, you're, you know, throwing against five, four or five, you know, half of Omaha was in the SEC, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of the sport right now is SEC kind of holds all the cards. They drive the bus and, they have the most competitive conference. And so I, I have no doubt in my mind that was that was the pitch, uh, or at least part of it was you were going to see the best competition and have the best opportunity to raise your draft stock. Obviously, that is true at Southern Miss, like, like we talked about a second ago, was had he had the same type of year and you know potentially could have had an even better year and improved some things in, uh, in his game on the mound and – yeah, he, he could have made a really big jump, but that's probably not what he was hearing. He was probably hearing, you're going to go throw against Louisiana Monroe and, you know, they're, they're going to be, you know, 1,500 people in the stands or you can go throw in front of our fans, wherever it may be, and they're going to be seven or 8,000 or you're going to go on the road and play in front of 11,000. And, and that's just, that's the pitch. And, and I'm, you know what, Michael, I agree with you. I kind of lean more towards what you were saying. I, I, I do think NIL stuff was a big factor in this. Again, we don't know the details. This is all conjecture, but I, it, it, it was a collection of, of those different factors. And whatever that collection was, big or small for the different factors, I mean, it, it obviously convinced him that the best decision was – for him to go to the portal and and go uh, throw for somebody else, and again the rumors, Florida, you know that there's, I think LSU fans were convinced it was LSU uh, just because they've been getting everybody else heard Florida State and number of different programs, but uh, it was I, I'd be shocked if it wasn't like Michael was saying, kind of a blue blood team that you expect to make a run at Omaha every single year and have really great facilities and all that jazz. Um, whatever it was, it, I mean, he, he felt like that was the best move for him, and it's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, they, okay, he Michael, might have a response. Uh, yeah. I accidentally removed him as a speaker a little early. Uh, Nate and Paige, we're going to get yes. you all here in a second. 
Hey guys, uh, you know, while we're, I mean, all of this is, is in the speculation realm. So, I mean, let's just roll with it. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's like a day and a half or, you know, 24 hours essentially before the, you know, transfer portal, you know, entry window closes. I would, I, I would think any, anybody with some common sense is going to know that there were obviously things happening behind the scenes before he made the decision to enter. You know, there's no way that he's going in, you know, at, at this stage, this far after the end of the season without something having taken place between. Do you guys have any, I, I don't know, any speculation on how uh, in, this new, in this NIL environment, some of the, you know, Power 5, SEC, ACC teams that are trying to poach players, how they may be facilitating this process, uh, you know, before players are entering the portal? Because I, I just can't imagine with the way it unfolded that there weren't precursors to his entry into the portal. Yeah, yeah I mean, he might have an advisor and Florida talk to the – or I'm saying Florida. That's school, school A or school B or whoever – talk to his advisor or something like that. I don't know. I mean, a lot of these, not all of these guys have advisors. I know a lot of the, a lot of the I guess big prospects do just kind of get ready for the draft. So that could have been, I mean, that could have been the um, channel they, uh, they went through. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, but uh, what do you think of that, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. I think that's absolutely right. Um, I was talking to a scout at, one of the regional, I think it was the LSU Kennesaw State games, and so um, he was there just just watching the regional, and I was asking him about the Southern Miss players and the LSU roster, Jay Johnson, all this kind of stuff, and we got to talking about Jacob Berry, who Jay Johnson brought with him from Arizona, um, and it was kind of you know uh, almost a foregone conclusion that he was going to go to LSU and follow his head coach, but it he was in the portal for, uh, you know, a, a certain amount of time before he actually made a decision. And there was some semblance of a bidding war. There were numbers thrown out, and whether it was directly with Barry or with just people around him, his advisor, if he had one, um, they would get these numbers and then bring them to other schools and see if they would match it or, or increase it and, I think uh, this is, again, not official. I have no idea if, if what this guy was saying was correct, but, you know, I have no reason to believe it wasn't. Uh, Mississippi State was heavy on Jacob Berry and offered him $250,000, and LSU came in and said, okay, we'll give you three hundred, and they won the bidding war. And so, yeah, there is there is absolutely stuff going on behind the scenes, and I would not be surprised if a guy like Herson Waldrop, potential first round pick, uh, potential top 10 pick had somebody like that helping him um, and his family make this decision. So there, right. there's a lot, I mean, it's kind of like, it's a little bit like you're almost exactly like free agency. Yeah. Now it, it, it's free agency in major league baseball or any other professional sport. The difference is it's just all behind the scenes and you don't get I, these numbers. I guess I, I have doubts about, you know, the, the catalyst or the, you know, the start point in theory for the bidding war, because mm -hmm. I, I think we've all accepted that that's how it goes in the portal now, sure. you know, for, for high demand athletes, there's going to be a bidding war for them. But I'm, you know, just based off of the way that some of these situations are unfolding, I'm thinking that some of that process is happening before that threshold. Oh uh, yeah, you know it, it, where they quote unquote enter their name into the portal formally, and I think that's that's the problematic thing is like while guys are still on their you know committed to their program in theory, you know being counted on by the coaching staff and stuff that there are you, you know that at the same time there some parts of this process are already taking place. It's kind of, it, it's, it, it makes you uneasy about the situation. And it, it certainly feels like, it's, you know, I don't, I don't think you enter into the portal in a position like his 
without some certainty about some of the on the table here. Yeah. Uh, and, and technically that's, I don't, I don't think it's supposed to be allowed, uh, <laughs> but it's all gray area right now, which yeah. is, you know, it, it is what it is. Yep. So. Yeah. Spot on. I mean, there, there has to be some kind of regulation for NIL and a transfer portal that, that just that combination is, and it's been talked about. This is not groundbreaking analysis. Um, I think we, we may have touched on it the pod at one point, but yeah, I mean, this it has the potential to. It already has transformed college athletics, but has the potential to ruin it. Um, has the potential to make teams like or programs like Southern Miss, you know, um, have kind of no shot uh, to be consistently nationally competitively relevant. And you're, we're getting a taste of that a little bit. I mean, it, it, I think it could have been much worse. I think the the fact that you, at least at this point, have held on to Christian Ostrander, um, I think that was a big deal. And there was some hope that yeah. you'd be able to keep everyone. Um, but that, you know, Carson Wadrup and the, the, all of these guys, they're, they're smart kids. They know that they hear the chatter. They know they're going to be potentially a first-round draft pick and – make a bunch of money. And, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, I'll put a hundred thousand dollars in your pocket to, to just go play somewhere else, you know, that's, that's, that's tough to turn down. That's just kind of the landscape we're in right now. Yeah. I, I was talking to a, you know, a friend about this earlier and uh, it's, it's not the kind of situation where you can really single out any individual uh, athlete. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously it, it stings a little bit. Uh, and maybe a lot, uh, but it's it's not the kind of thing where you can l- and look at them and I feel like put a whole lot of blame. You know, it, it, it's it's a it, it's a, a systematic issue uh, at the NCAA level that you know I, I think nobody is quite happy with right now. Uh, certainly, the people who are the most satisfied with it are the ones who have the most resources because uh, resources drive absolutely everything right. uh in in this kind of an environment but uh but even so you know even those even for those programs it, there's there's issues and so you know it's it's this the system the way that it's set up the way that it works and the way that it doesn't work right now is is really the the is really the problem that that in a situation like this uh you don't really look at the player uh, and and have any sort of at least me personally I, I don't you know I wouldn't say anything negative about Hurston uh, and I know that he's doing something that makes sense within the context of what's going on in college athletics right now sure uh, but what's going on in college athletics is kind of uh, you know uh, it, it it doesn't seem quite right uh, for sure so yeah fully agree. All right. And that, I mean, that'll, that'll always be a part of college athletics. There will always be nefarious stuff going on, especially when you're making the money that is being made in college sports. Um, uh, Pat, you want to get Yeah, he's here? been waiting a while. Let's get him on here. Okay. Let's see. Nate, can you hear Hello. us? Hi. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. What's going on, guys? Going well. How you doing? Good. Uh well, I guess not too good. <laughs> well, right, I was doing good. Yeah. Uh, I was just going – I was thinking, like, NCAA has to put rules on this or it's going to get ugly really fast. Because, I mean, at what point these SEC teams, they just – what's the point of even developing your own players if you can just let a small – a team like USM, you know, have developed this great pitching and they can just – go and pick apart who they want, and it's kind of like a, a farm system in the major leagues, you know. They just use us as a – as a uh, they get good uh, first-hand scouting on us when they play against us. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's not good at all for, for schools our size, and it's like you develop this player, but for what? For him to go play another for another team. Right. I mean, I, I've kind of compared yeah. it to it's kind of like European soccer where they have these transfer windows or whatever it is. 
and the smaller whatever the smaller budget teams they'll have a good season you know a couple was a couple years ago Leicester City they were kind of the the whatever the Cinderella story and they won the English Premier League and then all their players whatever they got picked apart by the bigger money teams and you know they all just pretty much immediately went back to you know being just kind of average so I mean I mean it's kind of like that where he's you know, it, in the NFL, at least you have, you know, NFL has a salary cap and even, you know, I've kind of comped it or MLB has the um, MLB doesn't have MLB didn't have a salary cap, but they have, um, I guess, the luxury, lug, tax. luxury tax. And um, I mean, it's kind of upset. It's kind of like the uh, the money ball. You should get a bunch of good players and then immediately they they go join the Yankees or the Red Sox. But yeah. I mean, it, with the way it is now, without, you know, kind of any regulation at all, I mean, it is very much like the Wild West and very much where, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it encourages or it develops um, kind of an atmosphere or culture of really non-competitiveness where, yeah, the schools that have the most money are they're going to have pretty much all the players, that, you know, under the old system. But as flawed as it may, may have been, you know, you at least you would have been able to, you know, keep your players or keep your very best players um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, there's got to be some kind of balance. Um, but, yeah, with the way it is now, I mean, just kind of the SEC schools and just kind of power conference schools in general, they can just kind of take whoever they want. Um, and that's really going to uh, kind of kill competitive balance in the sport. And uh, you know, it's kind of been trending that way, I guess, for a little while um, with the facilities and uh, the television money and that kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, like today, you, you now you know, it used to be just – you know, facilities and kind of the bells and whistles. Now you're taking uh, players that really uh, kind of changes things a bit. So, yeah, it is um, it's something that needs to be addressed for sure. I mean, yeah, these these SEC coaches have it easy nowadays. Yeah, right? they just they just take whoever they play in a regional and uh, take their best players. Yeah. Can't beat, yeah. Them, just, can't beat them, just go get them yeah. on your team. That's right. Yeah, Nate, I mean, Nate, you make a good point. I mean, why would you even go recruit high school guys at this point? Uh, well, you know, you, you just – you see who has a year or two of eligibility left and see what their stats were in college, and that's, that's, that's a little more of a sure thing. And you just stack your roster with mortal guys and just, you know, the rich get richer. And, you know, I, I was talking to somebody about we, – we talked about how it's kind of going towards – it's just a – it's prof- professional sports masked as amateur competition. But it really – I mean, the direction it's going is – at least to me, and maybe I'm a little biased being a fan of a group of five team, but it's, it's much less appealing than professional sports because, I mean, you look at, I mean, Pat, you kind of said it, there are balances and there's also hope, you know, why, why are you a Cincinnati Bengals fan for 40 years? It's because there is a possibility of getting a guy like Joe Burrow after you have a really bad year you go get the top draft pick and you turn it around. You, you can rebuild your roster, but the direction that college athletics is heading is, and we have, we have already seen it unfold tangibly, uh, even before all the NIL stuff, but it's, there are, I mean, college football, five or six programs that legitimately have a shot to compete for a national championship and a little bit less. So college basketball, you know, Part of that is just the sport of basketball. It's, you, you can't stack your roster of 30 guys and roster limits and all that kind of stuff. But college baseball, I mean, is, is headed that direction as well. Is the, the more popular the sport gets, the more money is going to come in. More, more, Most of that money is going to flow to the top 5% of the programs. And, and then you just leave everybody in the dust. The gap just continually gets bigger. And that removes the hope for everyone else. And so, you know, why would anyone want to go play for a program in the Sun Belt when they just don't have a chance to compete? And it's it's a competitive imbalance. And, and I don't have the answer either, but something absolutely has to be done. I mean, Jay Johnson, I mean, you see where he uh, he had – he got the Minnesota Twins pitching coach. Yeah. He left the Minnesota Twins mid-season. I mean, that just blows yeah, my mind. A- yeah. Just about double his salary, I think. Yep, that was eye-opening. Crazy. All right, guys, that's all I have. Appreciate it. Uh, We got somebody that uh, requested to speak. Leo, let him speak. Or I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Let's see. Is he still connecting? Uh, I think. Let's see. He left the chat. Maybe he, he might have pushed. He might have pushed the wrong oh. button or something. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess we can talk about. I mean, so what does this do for the 2023 team? Um, yes. So I mean, yeah. you think? I mean, you have. I guess 27 plus hours as we record this right now, or I, I don't know. The transfer portal closes at 12. Is that 12 central time or Eastern time? Is it, it's probably Indianapolis time, which I think is Eastern. So maybe it might, but either way, it's about 26, 27 hours. So you think you're going right. to yeah. um, keep everybody else. Um, so yeah, I mean, Tanner Hall is your Friday guy. And then, so yeah, you kind of thought Walter would be your Saturday. So it's going to be interest, interesting to see how that shakes out. And now you really look at the draft. You mm-hmm. look at, especially someone like a Dalton Rogers, who's somebody that um, yes. you know really could come back next year. He he could get drafted pretty high. I mean, I think um, you know he could get drafted on day two pretty easily. But he's also a guy. He has that COVID year, so he could come back next year with another year of uh, a leverage. Um, and if he slides uh-huh. into a Saturday role, pitches really well um, as that lefty in rotation. I mean, I could see him being drafted in the first five rounds, maybe even in the first three rounds. He has a really good year. So he's a guy, uh, you look at that weekend rotation. Uh, another guy, um, I mean, again, another guy, I guess you kind of look at, I mean, now you really got to um, just look at the pitching side of the hole. Then, Because with Waldrop leaving, I mean, that moves everybody else up one, right? So you're the sure. guy, you know, that maybe you had penciled in on Sunday. Maybe he's your Saturday guy or he's going to be your Saturday guy now. And then your guy that you thought was going to be on Sunday, well, maybe he's in the bullpen. So they just – it shuffles everything up. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you kind of look at a guy like Nico Maza. I know he did not pitch a whole lot this year, uh, but he was a top 250 recruit out of high school, kind of a blue chipper type. And, uh, you know, I think in year two, a guy like that, you expect him to contribute. May, I mean, I think he fits more of a closer. But if he can kind of give you that um, – or, you know, assuming Harper comes back, he can be a one-two punch back there. And that would free up kind of Rodgers to potentially uh, move into the rotation. Um, and then you wouldn't have to move him into the rotate, or yeah, you know, wouldn't have to move Maza uh, in the rotation um, at a, at a necessity if he looks really good. So just kind of, I know, I'm saying a lot, but just kind of running thoughts. So, well, yeah, I mean, that, I think it needs to be said. It's it's easy to be doom and gloom, like like Michael said, but it's you have got plenty of talent on the mound returning, and as good as Matt Adams was at times, you you feel like you know he would certainly be in that conversation and a number of guys that either got limited innings this year, redshirted, and you've, uh, you know, got a couple of high school guys that, that, that might be able to compete for that. Nick Monastere would be one of those guys that might get that type of look. Um, yeah. So the, the cover is not bare. This, this does not, this is not kicked down the scaffolding. I mean, you, you still feel pretty good about what you have coming back. Obviously, and I don't even have to say this. I mean, it, it hurts to lose Carson Waldrop because you had you really did have two aces as you did this year, and with the potential of of Rogers sliding into that Saturday spot and splitting righty lefty righty, and I mean that would have been just unbelievable that rotation. But still, I think the expectation would be for the rotation to be really really good with the talent you, that you have and Hall at the front of that. I think you still feel really good about it. Um, and I, I think the biggest reason why, second biggest reason being the talent, but you've still got Christian Ostrander as your pitching coach. And he had to completely restructure the rotation this year. And that, that was the yeah. big question. That was the weakness coming into the season. We were all worried about who was going to be in the rotation and was it going to be any good? How are you going to replace all these innings from Walker Powell and Hunter Stanley and, I mean, that's just what Ostrander has done time and again. So I think he's got the talent to work with to replace a guy like Hurston Waldrop, which is, you know, that it's, it's easier said than done, obviously, and, you know, potential first round draft pick, but yeah, I, I think you still feel pretty good on the mound. Yeah. I mean, I think it changes you. I mean, yeah. You, I mean, anytime you can't really sugarcoat, anytime you're losing a first round pick um, on the mound as a starter, yeah. I mean, that's going to drop you down. I mean, it felt like you go from like, you know, potentially had a top 15 roster to where you maybe you have a top 25 type roster, maybe. Uh, but I mean, that depends. I mean, I guess they can get into now. Well, who are you, you could benefit or maybe not net benefit, but you could still add somebody from 
uh, the portal that you know surprises everybody. And yeah. I mean, you kind of think we we kind of knew Waldrop was going to be good coming into this year, just based on uh, what he showed kind of at the end of last year in the fall. But I mean, he was he was very much um, you know I guess not a, not a finished product, right? And uh, so I mean, you kind of may, yeah. maybe look in the portal for another guy that's you know spent one year at a program, didn't pitch a whole lot, and you know, yeah, I mean, Australia can work, uh, you know, more of his magic. Um, so, yeah, or you could, you know, look for another Hunter Riggins type, um, kind of a fourth or fifth year guy yeah. from um, either a smaller Division One school or Division Two. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see with this, um, with the wall drip departure, um, how that affects, um, you know, what you do in the transfer portal. Yeah, it, it will be, and we have uh, we talked about it on the the uh, season finale episode, but. I, I mean, in the years past, the staff hasn't really been <clears throat> this aggressive in the transfer portal. But, I mean, you saw kind of immediately, just from what we heard, being fairly aggressive and in, in filling what you thought were going to be the weak spots on the roster heading into next year. And I don't know if you can expect any – you would expect that to change. I think, you know, maybe if, if Waldrop was – you know, gone three yeah. weeks ago, then, you know, you would have heard them being aggressive um, and, and trying to find another power arm that you can mold into a starter or whatever it may be. You, you still got that option. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. So, and, and just to clarify, so I think there was some confusion on this. Uh, tomorrow is the deadline to enter the portal. It is not the deadline to pick your team. I think there yes. were some people saying, well, Walter, he only has one day to pick a team. Well, no, it's just, he just had one day to get in. So they're still, I mean, I guess you can add guys up until, mm-hmm. you know, August really. So they got, they got a month, month and a half. Um, I guess, I guess classes start in August, uh, mid August, uh, mid late August. I don't even know. But um, yeah, so th- they have time uh, to add somebody if they were going to add somebody. Um, yeah. I mean, I know no clue who that would be. I mean, there's however many 2000, players in the portal or something like that a ton of i don't know the exact number a lot of guys so i don't know who it would be um but yeah um anybody yeah. else let's see anybody else um if anybody else wants to request to speak uh, we'll probably try to wrap it up here pretty soon um so yeah this has been a long one uh we and again had some people come in late this will be uh, in podcast form, hopefully it is recording in some yes. form or fashion. We're gonna try to figure yeah. out how to. Yes, posted, uh, I was just looking at that. Downloading form. the, um, downloading the. Uh, you have to request, and apparently it usually takes less than twenty four hours. After I, I googled it earlier, so it, it will hopefully get this out sometime tomorrow. If it's not, I mean, you can go back and listen to it on um, just this, um, just this feed. Um, on this on this tweet right um either way but uh, yeah and obviously it is easier to just listen to it on whatever podcast app uh you listen to but yeah if yeah. it does not you can still go back and listen to it on this um but yeah um i, I guess what's kind of interesting you're you kind of think of uh you look at other guys that aren't at blue blood programs transferring you look at like paul skeen from air force he transferred um he was a big guy but then you had mm-hmm. uh like I think uh, Campbell, um, they had not Thomas Harrington, but another guy that's on uh, the collegiate national team. I think he's staying there. It was kind of interesting. There was a tweet from 11.7 or somebody was like, yeah, a lot of these guys that aren't at, you know, the power conference schools are transferring to improve their draft stock. But, you know, there's a couple, I mean, that are staying at their school. So I just thought that was interesting. And, and, you know, it is interesting to see. I don't know what the players think about it. You know, you had that Dustin Dickerson tweet and uh, some of the guys like that. So I don't know if – I don't know if the team is kind of, you know, they're kind of embracing that Southern Miss versus all y'all type uh, mantra now. So, uh, but yeah, hopefully this doesn't, um, you know, kind of impact the chemistry in any way. Um, obviously, you know, you're not playing any games, but yeah, just for next yeah. year. Yeah, I would hope not. And again, this is, I mean, unfortunately, this if if there is not some kind of regulation or some kind of balance in the rules, this is only going to become more common. And so this is, this is just kind of how it works. And it's really unfortunate. And again, I think we said this at the beginning, but it could have been much worse. I, I, I think coming out of this, if it's just Herson Waldrop, in terms of your kind of frontline guys that you expected to really contribute next year, if he is the only one that you lose, once again, 
It really hurts to lose a first round potential first round draft pick. But I think you feel okay because you held on again to the majority of your production who are really, really good this year, won a regional and have the potential. I still believe that this roster can be better than it was in 22, even with the departure of Hershon Waldrop. And I, and I, I also want to say, I think Michael said this, we wish no ill will towards Hershon Waldrop. I mean, he did what he felt was best for his career and it's, it's hard to turn down a bunch of money if it was an NIL deal that was a factor, and I would be pretty shocked if it wasn't. But I, I wish him the absolute best, and it was really fun to watch. I don't, I don't know if I could say I'll be rooting for him if he's pitching for a Florida. I hope they're the two-season Hattiesburg <laughs> next year. But that's just kind of how it works, and I, I don't think you should be you know, hoping that they're going to fall on their plate face and it's going to backfire on him and all this kind of stuff. I hope he does well. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of more of being you're more mad at the system than you are mad at the player. Uh, but, I mean, I do yeah. – I am not really upset at him personally, but, I mean, I do understand people that are. Uh, um, oh, I get it. Absolutely, you know, yeah. And that's common with sports fans. You know, you think about, like, when LeBron left uh, uh, Cleveland for the first time. I'm not comparing <laughs> – I mean, it wasn't – this is not even, you know, 1%. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably taking a talent somewhere in Florida, uh, just like LeBron did. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was and, you know it was just a bummer. You know, we kind of like we said early felt like you were going to dodge yeah. a bullet, and then it, just, it was uh, really incredible how fast this happened because you started you uh, you know you started yeah. getting texts around two thirty, and then you started seeing kind of rumors on Twitter, and you, you I mean you could see it had already happened because around three thirty or three. You know, you saw started seeing some coaches from like Arkansas and LSU were following them on Twitter, and then by four o'clock, um, you had Kendall Rogers and the local media, and pretty much everybody reported it. So yeah, it happened in kind of just a one and a half hour thing. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, really, uh, really run my fr- or my Wednesday afternoon, and uh, yeah, so kind of kept me <laughs> from getting some work done. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, as we as we wrap it up, I, I do want to, again, remind people that Southern Miss has a lot, a lot of talent and a lot of experienced talent coming back next year. It is, once again, has the chance to be a really special year without Hurston Waldrop. And I know that, you know, not to, not to say it's not reasonable to be upset and a little frustrated at the system or the player, whatever it is, but... It, this this does not change the fact that Southern Miss could be should be very very good if not better next year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess it's gonna kind of depending on um, you know your rotation is going to be less proven. Um, I mean, you know, sure. you have Hall obviously, and he's very proven. You know, he's one of the better pitchers in the country. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's gonna come down to development and seeing what Oz can do with some of these other guys. Can he develop? Um, you know, a second and third starter really good. I mean, I guess you can say Riggins was kind of not a finished product, but he was, you know, he had pitched four years at Delta State, so he was a little more, um, you know, I guess seasoned. Um, but, you know, Waldrop and Hall, um, you know, really improved, obviously. So it's kind of kind of be interesting to see, yeah, if Ostrander can get those uh, a second and third um, arm in the rotation yeah. that, uh, you know, can at least come pretty close uh, to measuring the production hub too that you're losing this year. So, yeah, and and obviously we will keep tabs on what happens at the portal for Southern Mist after July 1st. Hopefully, nothing happens. Yeah, I might have to be doing another one, another um, emergency Twitter space. <laughs> oh boy, I hope not. I hope not. Um, Pat, qu- quick parting question: Do you think that there is enough on the current roster and incoming as far as signed? players coming in on the mound you think the staff feels good enough about that to where they're not going to be aggressive in the portal or do you think they go out uh, i think there's still some questions uh i mean you look at second base uh with i mean i guess we have we have not recorded i mean this is our first recording since uh mcgillis left so we, we did not touch on that um, that's true so i mean you're really on yeah. to second base where whoever you're going to put there unless you move an outfielder to second base which feels you know pretty to almost certainly unlikely um whoever you put there is going to have fewer than 50 uh, plate appearances on career plate appearances, unless you get somebody from the portal. You know, there are rumors about um, Amani Larry at uh, 
at UNO who just committed to state mm-hmm. a couple days ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's a situation where either you're going to have to start some young guy or an unproven guy or we're going to have to go to the portal. So I think they're going to probably keep looking uh, to see if they can find somebody um, there that can play second yeah. base um, and kind of, you know, give you close to what McGillis gave you um, in terms of production. And then, uh, you know, I guess we talked about the two big needs, just getting to the needs that have been met. Um, we said right-handed hitting and um, and left-handed pitching. You needed another guy in case Rodgers left. Uh, and in right hand or uh, right handed hitting, you add Tate Parker, um, which you know everybody listening to this knows yeah. that now. But yeah, I mean he was you know whatever it was, junior college uh, division player of the year or what division two uh, junior college um, player of the year. There had huge numbers at, at Pearl River. He still he still could go in the draft, uh, but yeah, you're hoping obviously he doesn't go in the draft and he'll be um, you know playing on the outfield for you next year. And then we talk. Um, Tyler Martin, a left-handed pitcher from uh, Nebraska, uh, had pretty decent numbers. Uh, he's going to be kind of low 90s, 90. I'll watch a little bit of him. It looks like he's 90 to 91. Um, so it doesn't have quite the velocity uh, that Rodgers has, but he is somebody that, you know, kind of that lefty high leverage arm. If, you know, Rodgers either leaves or uh, moves to the rotation, he can slide in there. Uh, not going to give you quite, you know, yeah. what Rodgers gave you probably, but he's somebody – uh, this should be able to eat innings for you uh, and produce uh, for you um, pretty decently, um, just based on his numbers. Um, mm-hmm. And Nebraska, but yeah, um, I guess yeah, I, I still think at this point, yeah, you're looking around. Um, I, I guess I didn't really answer. Um, the, I mean, still looking probably for maybe a starting pitcher and then um, someone yeah. there at a uh, second base. So. That's baseball, baby. Yeah. It's roster building. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's become more of a part of, of college baseball. But it is what it is. And Southern Miss has a whole lot to offer if they are looking in the portal. Maybe Buzzer Dree can scrape together some NIL money. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll start a gift on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we, we appreciate you guys listening. Again, this will be up in podcast form in a day-ish. Yeah. Uh, day or two, we'll, we'll tweet out on the uh, Buzzer Dree account. And keep you updated on that. That anything else? Oh, uh, I think that is it. Uh, if anything else crazy happens, uh, we will uh, we will be here. So be right here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, Appreciate guys. It, guys. Thanks for tuning in.